Hey friends, welcome back to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. I'm so excited. This is episode 30 of the podcast. Can you believe that we have come to 30 episodes? I can't even believe it. And I'm so thankful for all the support from all of you who are listening and rating and reviewing and sharing and talking about the Captivatingly Confident podcast. It means the world to me, and I'm so thankful for you. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. So today, I'm pumped because we have a special guest, and her name is Corrine Mills, and she is an amazing entrepreneur who has just overcome some real hardships in her life and is just on this incredible path to help empower mompreneurs, so mom entrepreneurs out there. She is all about boosting up women and encouraging them. She has a book. She has a podcast and her own coaching business. She's incredible, and I cannot wait for her to share her story with you. So let's take it to the show. Welcome to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. My name is Kim Ludeman, and I am passionate about helping women just like you embrace your true self so you can show up confidently in your life. Join me as we talk about overcoming limiting beliefs, reshaping what health and wellness really look like, and take steps to becoming captivatingly confident. With all that said, let's go to the show. So, Karine, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Kim. I appreciate it, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Oh my gosh, me too. I feel like we just have so much good stuff to talk about, and I just feel like my listeners are going to just resonate with what you have to say, and I'm just, oh, it's such a privilege to have you on here. Uh, So I just want to dive right in and just ask a little bit about your story. I know your story, but my listeners obviously don't. So can you tell us kind of where you came from and how you got where you are? Awesome. Yeah, I would love that. I um, I came from the universe. <laughs> <laughs> That I was raised, I was born and raised in the Philippines, and I came probably, let's see, 18, going on 19 years ago from the Philippines. My parents moved us here and migrated in 2000, and no, actually 2000. Yeah, May 5th of 2000. Gosh, it's been a while, so I'm (laughs) trying to scan my memory. Right. And, um, It was, so number one, I had a boyfriend left there and in our culture, you don't really get to say what you want to do until you're sort of married, which is really bad because a lot of people just get married just to get out of the house. So we live with our parents. We're dependent until we get married, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. that's why a lot of people in our culture And I think it also exists in the Latino culture and the Russian culture I'm seeing is that Mm -hmm. we live with our family until we're essentially, you know, officially married. Um, It's um, looked down upon when you're living with a boyfriend and all that good stuff. So we moved here um, with my parents and it was very 
shocking to somebody that's 20 going on 21 because I was already an adult when I came. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, new country, no friends. Like my friend mm-hmm. was my sister. Yeah. Was younger than me. And I, you know, I had no degree because I left the country with one more semester left with my accounting degree. So oh. I actually started because I was, I was avoiding the homesickness because when it got quiet, I cried a ton. Um, so I, it's funny because I, this is like when my journey really began because I figured a way to really stand out in, um, amongst the crowd when I was trying to only really avoid homesickness. So mm. I walked in a Walmart cause it was like, we had a, we lived in California, so we moved from Philippines to Southern California, and we had a bus transit that was free that just went around the, the city. Mm-hmm. So, so that was the only transportation I had. You know, I didn't even have a bike or anything. So I went and applied for a job at Walmart, and I was thinking, like, how do I – I noticed that when she took my application, she put it on top of everyone else. And so how do I stay on top? So every Hmm. week I put in an application and I got the job in like 20 days. So we got here like May 5th and I got the job on May 25th. Wow. You know, that's Walmart and it's um, Walmart will hire anybody. (laughs) So when I got my paycheck, which was in a form of like a hard copy check, Mm -hmm. I... At that time um, in the Philippines, like I, I didn't have any, like a lot of those things, you know, cause I was just starting my life as an adult Yeah. and we don't really start our life as an adult there until we graduate college. So we, we don't really get our own bank accounts and all that good stuff until we have our degree. So wow. we're all under mom and dad's roof for a long time. So anyways, I got this first check and I said, well, can I get cash? <laughs> and he's like, the HR was like, no, um, you might want to go to the local bank. So I go to the local bank. Anyways, long story short, I got a job from that bank because I've been, I've always wanted to work in the banking industry. I don't know what it is. I think it's the suits and the beautiful clothes that they always wear. <laughs> and so I, I asked them like, hey, how do I get a job here? So I've always been so assertive as, as a person. And I was never afraid to try something and I was never afraid to ask wow. um, because it, like I tell my kids this all the time, you know, even though I was sort of intimidated because my English was so broken and I had a really heavy accent when I came here, mm-hmm. I, you know, I knew that the only way I could get better because I was in sports when I was um, in high school and college And I think sports is such a great training for every single child that is growing up because it it builds you up and it creates discipline and it teaches you really that the only way you can get good is to practice. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I knew that the only way my English was going to get better was to keep talking to people. And so I surrounded Mm -hmm. myself with people. And as a cashier at Walmart, I was always talking to people And so when I got my first check, I went to the bank and I asked the teller, Hey, how do I get a job here? And she, she pulled her, her uh, manager. So 
every single year since I started at the banking industry, I sat down with my manager and I just said, Hey, what's the next step? Because I get really bored fast, you know? Mm -hmm. And once I can do something in my, with my eyes closed, I no longer am energized to do it. So Uh. I've always been when I'm not energized to doing it, I will no longer do it. If that makes sense, that, Mm -hmm. that is my cue to move to the next step and next chapter of my life. And so I've always been very intuitive and listened to those things that um, energetically and spiritually. And so when I was a teller, so I actually held a teller job part-time and then I worked for Walmart full-time. So um, because I didn't want to have a pocket of time to think about home, to think about my boyfriend, to think about all kinds of stuff and start crying when it gets quiet. So I didn't want to have a lot of quiet time. So Mm -hmm. I worked from 10 to no, no, 10 to two at the bank as a teller. And from, so I actually walked because they were walking distance. So I walked from the bank and ate my lunch while I was walking, um, to make it to my 3 PM job at Walmart. So I worked from 3 PM until midnight and, um, I bummed a lot of rides, you know, and gave them gas money. Um, sometimes I would, take the taxi. I mean, back in the days, no Uber, no Lyft. Um, yeah. <laughs> and for, a, for a young, you know, adult, that's kind of scary. But then again, I've always, I, I grew up Catholic. So I, I grew up with a religious background, but I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm more, I'm more spiritual, but I've always believed mm-hmm. that if it's my time, it's my time. You know, like, mm-hmm. I truly just believe in the power of energy. And, mm-hmm. and that if, you know, flow, not force type thing, because I think we live our lives forcing everything. And it's so difficult when we do that. And I've been there. Um, But at the same time, I I had an understanding that if it's my time, it's my time. And so if tonight I get, you know, like I get mugged or tonight I'm going to die or whatever, like this worst thing that we think about that's never happens, um, that worries us and they never, they're not real. Mm. I don't really think of those that much. Um, and so I grew in the banking industry. I was there for eight years. Every year I, I just, I just moved up because every year I sat down with my manager and said, okay, what's my next step? Cause I want to perform as if, um, I already have the job. So when I, when it, it is there for me. I deserved it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, I've always been that way, I guess. I, it's not like, um, I'm going to work hard in this current position so that I can get promoted. I've always had a mindset of, I'm going to work as if I, I'm already a manager. So when I become manager, I actually deserve it. If that makes sense. So you're, yeah. So you are super driven and following your gut is kind of what led you to keep climbing and keep achieving and keep moving up in the company so that, you know, you could find that new and exciting position that just kind of kept you fueled and kept you energized and moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So I met my husband at that time I was doing commercial lending. So I went from retail banking to commercial that there's two sides of the house when you're looking at a 
at the branch. You have the retail side where you're a teller and you do consumer products. And then on the other side, you do commercial. So I, I was actually headhunted by a local community bank, and this was in Rancho Cucamonga, California. And um, they recruited me as a relationship manager slash commercial lender. And so I did a lot of construction loans. I did a lot of spec loans for custom homes, all that good stuff. But when um, it took me a while to actually embrace that position because I didn't see the problem was I didn't deserve that position yet. Um, Mm -hmm. Real estate was so hot that they were willing to hire from the retail side because they didn't have enough talents to pick up the slack. So they were willing to, so they actually doubled my salary from being a personal banker at Wells Fargo to being a relationship manager, taking care of current relationships and growing from there. And um, it was a shock to me because I'd never been exposed to that. It was a jump from one side to another. And so because I wasn't prepared for the job, I actually did not perform until plus it's like um on the consumer side it's a instant gratification on the commercial side it's a sales process it's a long-term sales process and I didn't get my first deal which was a large deal it's it's big though when you hit it but um until like nine months later I thought I was going to get fired you know um when you're in a sales position you know you can smell that moment when you're about to get fired because you know you haven't performed. So um, met my husband while doing that in Las Vegas. So we were doing a lot of deals from Rancho. It was like three hour drive and Vegas was popping in 2005 when I met my husband and we met at a UFC 52 fight. What? It was an Oregon fighter um, and a California fighter, Chuck Liddell and, um, uh, Randy Couture was from Oregon. Oh my it was goodness. His first time. It was his first time there and we met. And it was very interesting because I talk about this in my last keynote about how I met my husband. And um, it's it's a long distance relationship. So because my, my uh, relationship long distance from Philippines to here pretty much just disappeared. Um, yeah because I'd grown, grown, grown. And it was just like, I have adapted into the culture here slowly. So it was, and I found myself, you know, once you find yourself, I guess it's, um, you know, the version that I was, um, when I was in the Philippines was no longer the version I was becoming, um, here because I was very timid, shy, easily intimidated when I got here. And then I started having little successes because I was never afraid. And when I started having little successes, it gained me a lot more confidence and fueled me to, to like, if I could do that, what else can I do? Yes. Yes. This is something that we talk about often in my captivatingly confident small groups and also in the captivatingly confident community is that confidence isn't something that you just like decide to have, but it's built on the small successes that you do and just the little steps that you take rather than trying to overhaul everything at once or will yourself to feel confident, but it's a process. And that's what you've experienced too, which has allowed you to show up. For sure. 
And it's also a process that comes with fear, you know, and, and I think a lot of people see me as very confident, but like I said, like I get a lot of commendation about my keynote speak uh, spark, but I tell people like, yes, I look very confident and I look like I've done it forever, but you have no idea how big of a world war three really is happening inside me while I was doing it. So confidence is not just looking confident, but it's really doing it. Even when you're fearful, even when you're scared, that's like what really confidence is because then you know how to, you know, overcome that fear that, you know, it's there and acknowledge it. And tell it that we're going to be okay, but we're going to do this together and you're going to be quiet, right? Yeah. Um, Because there's a lot of saying like, have no fear, you know, be fearless. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, it's part of us. It's there. You just have to learn how to manipulate that fear. And and number one is acknowledging that it's there. It's fine, right? And Mm -hmm. And using that same energy after you acknowledge it to become confident, to do what you need to do to, to rise up. Because if you allow it to control you, um, you'll, you won't get things done. So yeah, it's it's true. It will stop you from doing the things you really need to do and from going for your big dreams. So um, Mm -hmm. when I, when I met my husband after a year, I said no more of this long distance. So I came to the Northwest. And when I came, I had like 401k rollovers. I had all kinds of personal business that I needed to take care of. And he happened to have um, an insurance agent that he went to high school with that he sent me to, who's a, who's a state farm agent. And when I went there, um, you know, I was just rolling over all my business, my insurance and such. And um, six months later, I got a job at Merchants Bank down um, based out of Gresham. And so I was their relationship manager. I started started doing my prospecting and getting to know people. And I remember my insurance agent who went to high school with my husband that I rolled over all my business was building a new building on a lot that they've owned. So I started courting them for their business. And every other week I would go there and pop in there and bring something. And the husband that worked there said, you know, you're very persistent and you are, you know, without being pushy, you're, you know what you're doing. I think you should look into becoming an insurance agent, owning your own owning your own business instead of working for someone. And I said, you know, I've always wanted to own my own business. I just had no idea where it was going to lead me. You know, like, again, I'm just allowing the flow to take me. And, um, and they just essentially show up in front of you, but it never, I never forget all those goals. It's always in my mind. I write, like I learn how to write them down on a daily basis, twice on a good day. Um, just so they stay in there subconsciously and somehow the universe will just bring it in front of you. So wait, so I just want to hold on. I just got to stop you there. So you, so you said twice on a good day, you're writing down goals 
every single day you're writing down goals so that they are staying fresh in your mind, even in your subconscious mind, and trusting that the universe is just going to bring those to you instead of trying to force it and make it happen. Mm -hmm. Correct. That's amazing. How long have you been doing that? I've been doing it since I I came here, really. Like I I stated, um, I haven't been, or you mean writing it down? Yeah, or just even having this practice of just being so focused on your goals and what you want and that you just are, you know, manifesting that for yourself by keeping it in your conscious awareness of what you want. Okay. Writing it down has hasn't always been there, but trusting the process has always been there, but I have been studying that like that we can we can absolutely change our neuro patterns, which are our brain, the yes. way that we think. Yeah. And so it's this, if you mentioned that I wrote this book called The Sixth Sense, how ordinary people could transform into extraordinary entrepreneurs, because it's really a simple concept where we've been, we're gifted. We're gifted with the tools that we already need to succeed. We just take it for granted. And when people read my book, it's a booklet. It's a quick read. When they read it, they actually reach out to me and say, hey, I just want to let you know, thanks for the reminder, because my book is not a a new concept. It's just a reminder for people Mm -hmm. because it's such a simple concept that we take for granted and we never use. And so I lay it out in the book um, that we have five senses and the sixth sense that we have is is quiet when we take those five senses for granted and but when we put those five senses to work we become extraordinary because we develop our sixth sense you know your listening your your eyes your vision you know your right. your sense of taste your sense of smell your sense of feel like when you I don't know if you've heard, but when you write down a goal and you actually feel, how do you feel when you achieve it? Like, okay, some people want a big yacht. Like, that's not me. I'm not a, I'm not a uh, material goal type person. I'm Uh more of like a servant type goal. Like I want to serve X amount of people. I want to, I want to make, you know, however many people a millionaire or something like that. Like it's, it's about exponential, like duplicating myself and exponential growth. So it's um, when you write down your goal and you feel like you use all your senses and you visualize, you know, like vision boards used to be so stupid for me. Like I never believed it. Right. (laughs) And you visualize it and you start feeling, how do you feel when you get there? You're using all of your senses. And when you when you do that, it develops that sixth sense that allows you to have confidence that the process or the energy will get you there and whatever you want will show up in front of you. Yeah, eventually. So mm-hmm. I have been doing that practice since 2014 um, when I left my insurance practice. So going back to my journey, I joined State Farm. I was there for eight seven years. I was in banking for eight. I was state farm for seven. And when I was presented the opportunity, I said, wow, I have been wanting to actually be 
number one, own my own business, but I never connected it to insurance. When I came to America, I had a lawsuit. My dad excluded me from his auto insurance policy, but he gave me the key to drive to my Wells Fargo training. But I knew that if my dad knew that I was excluded and he knew exactly what he was signing, he, I knew that he would never hand me the key and put me in that predicament, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I got in, in a, on a 20-mile-an-hour head-on collision six months after we arrived here, um, it totaled the car because it was like a 1989 Honda Accord. It was an old oh my car that my dad received for a dollar. We bought it for a dollar from her sister in Georgia. So it's, um, you know, I didn't know that there was going to be all these system like insurance system. We were going to get sued when I got, when we got the lawsuit, my dad handed it to me because I'm, I'm essentially, I became my mom and da- my mom and dad's parents when we got here. <laughs> because they were already old. So they're like, Oh, I don't want to read this here. You read this. Like that's who we've become for our parents. And a lot of your listeners who might be immigrants can relate to that. They don't want to read letters that's in English. They want their kids to do it for them. Um, When they go to the bank, they want you to come with them. So you become your parents' parent when you get, when you get here from another country. So, um, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. We got a summon in the mail. We were sued $18,000 by AAA. No. He's 21 years old. So that, I think that also contributed to me growing up. Like I had to grow up really fast. You know what I'm saying? Um, I didn't get to enjoy as, as much as I should, but I did get to enjoy my early 20s later on when I started making a ton of money in the banking industry. Um, So we got sued and I I just like laid that thing on a table and I never touched it until they started harassing me at, um, it was me and my dad. I was a driver. He was a policy holder and the owner of the car. So we were both name on the lawsuit. And for a 21 year old working for Walmart, I was making $7 and 25 cents. And then, then I got the job from Wells Fargo. I think I was making like $10 and 18 cents to start as a teller. You know, you don't have really a lot. And as a new immigrant from another country, we didn't have a lot of those systems. And I just kind of like forgot about it, hoping it would go away. And it didn't. Yeah, and they started calling me at work. And I remember my manager giving me um, yellow book and said, open the book, go to the lawyer section and call yourself an attorney. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And luckily, he was an immigrant, Ernesto Vargas. I'll never forget him. He said, it's too late, but let me see what I can do. And he was able to negotiate it um, half $100 a month payable until it's paid off. Um, so I paid that off in 2010. So I was the one, again, I was the parent in this scenario. I became my, my parents' parent. I was the oldest. We have six siblings, five other siblings, but the three oldest ones stayed in the Philippines because they were above 21 years old. So I was 20 going on 21. Mm -hmm. They weren't dependent Mm -hmm. on American standard, you know? 
Yeah. Even though they were still, some of them were still essentially dependent because they weren't, oh, wait, I think they were all married by then, I believe. So it was me, my younger sister, and my youngest brother. And so I was the oldest, so I, I became the parent of everybody. And wow. um, so I paid it off. I'm like, you know, I make more money than my mom and dad combined when I became, you know, when I grew in my banking career. So I'm like, no problem. I'll take care of it. So I paid that off December 2010. But anyways, when that specific adversity happened to me, I swore to whoever was listening that one day I'm going to become the insurance agent that my dad never had. I'm going to explain everything to every single client of mine. I'm going to take time to explain, especially the immigrants who does not understand what they're signing. I'm going to do everything that my dad's insurance agent did not do for him. And so when that opportunity, and I wanted to take you back there because I, I kind of missed that part of my journey. When the insurance agent opportunity was presented in front of me, I, I immediately got like goosebumps. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like, I said this like just fleetingly. I didn't even take it so seriously. I just said it one day Mm -hmm. I'm going to become the insurance agent. My dad never had. Wow. And and that was it. Like I didn't write it down. I didn't do any of that. Like, nope, none of that. So I just said it out loud. And like I said, somebody's always listening and, 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 um, whether you believe in a higher power or not, you're listening to yourself too. So when I was presented it, I was like, wow, I've always wanted to do my own own business, but I never connected it to becoming an insurance business. Although I did say I want to become an insurance professional. So then long story short, I was there very excited. I did what I said I was going to do, take time, explain every single client who gave me the time of their day. And we grew our book um, we're handed a small book when we started. We doubled it in one year. We doubled it again in three. And wow. then on the fifth year, I started feeling like I was becoming a slave to my business. And that was the moment where I was no longer energized. You know, I, 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 I've felt that before. When you're no longer energized, it's, it's, it's a nudge to the next chapter of your life. And so I started thinking, okay, I thought this was my last chapter. Like I really thought I was going to retire from here. Because I love doing it. I was passionate about it. I've always wanted to do that. And I was able to help a lot of people to really understand and have have a a huge understanding of their insurance. Because if you don't do insurance, you don't get insurance, right? It's hard. And it changes all the time. So it's it's regulated. There's a lot of laws around it. I mean, it changes all of the time. So Mm -hmm. when I had the nudge, I was really lost. I felt like I it was, it was a huge nudge because before that nudge, I felt like I, I arrived, right? Mm. I thought I arrived. Okay. I finally arrived. I own yeah. this nice office for staff members. I'm the boss. I get to dictate what I, when I want to come in. I still, I had a lot of freedom, but it was almost like a fake freedom because my customers were my boss. You know, it was um, right when it really gave me a big nudge was because because for somebody like 
like us, very determined people. I think it takes a big thing to really make you make you change your direction. Yeah. What had happened was for four years, I hadn't taken a vacation because I was so focused in growing my business. I had, um, I was working 16 hour days, so I was enslaving myself, but I didn't even know I was because I was so passionate about it. Yeah. And I guess you can call it a burnout, but, um, my grandmother in 2012, who was our second mom, sort of, um, was turning 90 and she had already retired. She actually was the reason why we came here because she sponsored my dad. My dad got his sponsorship and we came with my dad. So she had gone home and retired a few years prior. As soon as she said, she helped us settled in here. And that was her last, you know, last mission before she retired back to the Philippines. And my aunts were calling everybody and letting everybody know we're going to throw her a 90th birthday party and everybody's going to go home. And, you know, um, my aunts are sort of well off. Um, they, one of my aunt is single and single forever and, you know, just did really well stock trading and all that did really well for herself. So if you don't have the money, we'll borrow you the money, but every, everybody needs to come home. Because we don't know if she's going to live longer, you know, because but she was pretty healthy, but under a lot of medication, but she was still walking around. So anyways, I was like, I'm scared because I have been working on this. I'm scared to let it go and take a vacation. Like I had that feeling, but no business owner should feel that way because we all become business owners to be to have the freedom to be able to say yes. But I think I was chasing all the wrong things. I was chasing, you know, a lot of the surface stuff, like being an owner, being called the CEO of my own business, um, having all the the titles and the accolades and the the recognition. Like I was so recognition hungry. Yeah. A lot of money, you know, like, led with all of that. And even though as much as I believe in the process and the energy, I still had, still had that mindset, never read any book, nothing. So I went home and I took my boys with me and my husband and we were there for five weeks. Wow. And I was super scared. We threw her a big bash. So we went home July, late July. We came back early September And her birthday was mid-August. And then we came back for, you know, back to school and all that good stuff. But the thing of it was I got a taste of the free, like the real freedom. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And when I got back, I started having this emptiness. Like it's so weird coming from 16-hour days, passionate and focused and all these stuff and coming back from a sabbatical, it's essentially because I told my staff, you know, I hired you to do a job. And if I have to come home to do it, you know, you're getting fired, you know, whatever, whatever. And I'll process your payroll online. That's it. That's about it. I'm not going to check my email, et cetera. So coming from this massive passion to coming back from that sabbatical and say, I want more of that. How can I get more of that? Like I started having these Mm -hmm. questions 
And then in November, my grandma died. So that same year, she died. And along those lines, I lost three staff members. And I only had one. And you can only imagine if it requires five people to service an office, it, two people isn't enough. So yeah. I couldn't come home. And that was really the ticket for me because I felt like, you know, I got a taste of the five weeks. I wanted more of it. And and now I can't even go home because my business needs me, like requires me to be here. And so I started like the journey of thinking, is there a better way? You know, like, is there a better way out there to do this life? Because hmm. this is not, this is obviously not the way. Yeah. Yeah. You were really like in the grind. I mean, 16 hour days, what, five days a week? At no, least. seven days a week. No. I would, oh I would come home, bring my laptop and, you know, you think you're sitting next to your husband. No, I was working sitting next to my husband. Like oh. I was never, I was physically there, but I was never there. And my family wow. was, it's like my, I'm just glad, I guess, because I had this interview with a, a woman that was given like six weeks or something to live. Like she was really, she, she's essentially dying, but living her life now. But I I was fortunate that it, it didn't have to be a health issue for me to yeah. wake up to this mm-hmm. um, because it was, it was just, you know, I got a taste of the freedom and I came back and anyways, it's, it's been an amazing ride and, you know, it hasn't been easy, but um, let me, let me see. I came back September, my grandma died in November and I couldn't come home and I started picking books up. Like I started like really searching for myself. Okay. What is out there? What do I really want? Because obviously when I got the accolades, the recognition, the business, owning my own business, being the CEO of my traditional brick and mortar business, I'm still not happy. Like what's going to make me happy? So yeah. I started reading books and I, for some reason, I think I was reading like blogs and all that. Like, what are people doing out there? I started really going outside of my own circle and it led me to 12 hour work week, which is, um, or four hour work week by Tim Tim Ferriss. Yeah. He's amazing. That book just spoke to me. That was a perfect book to read for me in that very moment of my life, because some people can't resonate with that book. But it, but it's it depends on the, your journey and where you're at and which totally. book do you end up with will resonate with you. So resonated with me and I knew I couldn't do for I couldn't do what he did because I have kids and a husband. But six months later, I start because I started planning a trip, a soul searching trip to Asia. So I I planned a 30 day soul searching trip to Asia by myself backpacking. Wow. Leaving everything behind, just being with myself, right? So January, I had a, I had a, um, January of 2013. So 2012 passed. Now we're in January, 2013. I started, I had a play date with one of my really good friends, Jessica in Vancouver, Washington. And I told her about my plans and she says, I'm going with you. And And I said, oh, 
that's that'd be cool. Like I didn't believe her when she said that because she's the breadwinner of her family and she's um I don't think her husband worked at that time and so they are very limited in funds and I said to her, you know, I'll I'll pay for your airfare. You can pay me anytime, you know, but just take care of your food and your incidentals. And she's like, no, I got it. And I'm like, okay. So she created this GoFundMe. Like she trusted the processes. She needed to, to soul search. She had some issues too. She needed to soul search. And so anyways, she, she put this GoFundMe and she posted it on her Facebook. First couple of days, she got a 20, a 10, you know, just the little stuff. And then like the third day she got like a, I think it was like a $2,000 donation from one of her college roommate who's gay in San Francisco, makes a ton of money, but no kids and gave her what she needs to go to, to go with me. So we went June of 2013 for 30 days, came back July. It was so much fun, but I, I, I found myself in, in Cambodia and when I say I found myself, I, I knew I was no longer going to be an insurance agent. I knew that I was on a different journey when I came back. I knew that I just didn't know what, right? I just, I knew, I knew where, what I needed to do. I just need, didn't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. So I stuck there for two years. So again, I trusted the process. I kept coming in my office, even though I hated it for two mm-hmm. years, because I, you know, the alternative is to go back and get a job. And that was not a better alternative. Right. Um, right. So I stuck there for two years. And then two years later, recruiters came in my office and I was recruited by um, a company called Legal Shield. It's a home-based business, and um, as an insurance professional, they weren't going to put me through the multi-level stuff that most people do um, go through, start at the bottom, is because we're already licensed, and they were lo- looking to grow their distribution channel. They started recruiting insurance professionals and brokers, but yet give us a, a really high, the highest tier commission without working up the ladder because we already have the training that they were looking for. So, Mm -hmm. so it took me about another year to actually join. So I left, I gave state farm because I had a lot of self talk and doubts and like what ifs and scare Mm -hmm. because I've built it for seven years and like, how dare I let it go? You know, all these stuff. Um, What if it doesn't work? Like all these nonsense that we tell ourselves because we doubt ourselves. So anyways, long story short, I became an independent insurance person. And this year, just early this year, I took a, um, I've been listening to the school of greatness and Lewis house is a huge influencer for me, huge mentor he's, for me. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. I just got introduced to him over the summer and he is incredible. So Holy really cow. my journey was really truly just rich in personal development, um mindset training. So even though I've I've trained myself for a long time to start to to just trust the process, but I didn't really have a formal training of, you know, write down your goals and write it down in the morning and write it down before you go to bed and 
journal and all these stuff until I left where I was miserable, uh, my insurance practice. And, you know, that's the thing that if you're, if your listeners are in a miserable situation, you cannot, you cannot see pass through that bubble. You can only pass through or see pass through that bubble. If you start practicing your mind, your spiritual practice, you change, um, what you do, because it's hard to think past it if you're mm-hmm. in it. So I, until it, you know, my grandmother died, it had to be big for me because I was so passionate with what I was doing to actually change the direction of, of my life. And, you know, the books definitely help, but having a coach, um, helps a lot because it, it shortens your learning curve, plugging in a community Definitely. like your, your community, which is amazing, you know, um, plugging in those community. And I didn't know those communities like yours existed when I was in that bubble. I yeah. only discovered them when I was willing to change my life. When I be, when I made the decision, because a lot of people think that your life changes when they see it change. No, as soon as you make a decision that you are going to change your life, right there, the change, the shift in your mindset, just... Yeah, you've shifted your energy, right? Mm -hmm. And shifted your vibration. Like, we think we have to do something that's like so, like, in your face. Like, I'm doing this thing. I'm changing. I'm shifting. But really, like, it's so energetic. And it's so internal that it's like already happened. And then you're just showing up and allowing your creative energies to be present and just letting the universe bring opportunities to you. That's amazing. Yes. So this year, as in, you know, I've I've known Lewis. I've read his book. I've known of him. Um, It just like he just really... His teachings just really resonate with me, and I really was so attracted to him. So um, spiritually, he's not um, bad looking. <laughs> I'm physically, just physically, he's good looking, <laughs> but um, but I'm married, and so but he is really good looking. <laughs> but but spiritually, like for a man, like I think I was more attracted because the man. Um, profile that I know of was not the man profile that he is, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, totally so the image sense. of man in my brain is, you know, super masculine, um, a-hole, <laughs> um, <laughs> like just generally, I'm not saying that everybody mm-hmm. are because my husband's like the most amazing guy ever. And mm-hmm. I'm raising my children to become amazing men. And so yeah. it's, um, it's just like, wow, he's changing my perception about guys and, mm. you know, very spiritual. And so I'm like, started really following him heavy instead of just listening to his podcast. And, you know, I joined one of his mastermind and I, I just grew from there and that's it. Like if you can find someone you can resonate with, like just plug in that community because it truly like I've grown. So I've been taught by Lewis since February. And then, and then March, I launched my booklet. And then in April, I, I launched my membership website. So every month I had a goal. It's, it wasn't even a goal that Lewis told us to do. It was just my own. 
And on Mother's Day, I launched my podcasts for moms. So it was just like, oh, perfect. Mother's Day, Sunday. And That's then, so perfect. And then June, I focus on my insurance business because I still have it. But like, I'm no longer energized about insurance, even as an independent. Hmm. Um, in July, I got invited to speak at Impactful People Northwest, which is happening in February this next year. And then in, in August, or no, in the same month of July, I got invited to be a keynote at um, Spark Portland. I, I know the organizer from her past career through just local networking. And she's like, hey, do you want to speak? You know, I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyways. But it's like, um, and then um, recently in November, I got recognized as accomplished and under 40 at the Vancouver Business Journal. And then late, lately, I was just invited to run for Woman of the Year next year to benefit the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Um, it's a 10-week wow. run to raise money for them. And the person that raised the most in the region gets Woman of the Year type thing. And then I was just invited for um, philanthropic fashion show um, in Manila for empowered women to empower children. And um, it's it's directed by a guy named um, Audi Espino, who is the director and producer of Philippine Fashion Week. But it's to benefit the Kiwanis Club that is specifically earmarked for to empower children. And so it's like, wow, all these invitation and acknowledgement. And, you know, I used to look at them as, oh my gosh, I'm so great and receive them. But now I receive them that as a symbol that I am serving so many people. Right. And so I get to, because that is more of my vision than having a mansion or driving a really nice car or like I'm way past those because I have I have had those, not the mansion part, but, you know, making a ton of money and all that good stuff. And it didn't make me happy. And giving away my, you know, some of my blessings and um, I help Battleground Healthcare and I help 100 women of Southwest Washington. I'm part of that. You know, like nothing makes me so happy than giving. And my children sees that. And I think being an example to your kids, oh my gosh, you're going to be like, this is all we know, you know, is to give, Mm -hmm. to serve because that's what you show them as a parent. And that's what, that's all they really know is to serve others. And my kids, I get, I get emotional when teachers come to me and say, your kids, whatever you're doing, they're so Mm -hmm. good. Like, like no other kids. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Sorry, I talked too much. (laughs) No, you're perfect. It's so fascinating. And I just love how you're modeling this behavior of philanthropy and of compassion and helping other people and building other people up. And that it's not just about the material possessions that you can get. But when you work hard and you chase your dreams, you're able to do so much more than just make money. I love that. It's incredible. Well, the money comes when you're when you're happy. Really, like when you're happy with what you're doing, the money comes. So, I yeah. 
I have been coaching online and but I have been continuing to develop my insurance and, and legal service business locally. And I decided this month, even though I wanted to wait in 2019 to launch and align my business online to my business locally, um, it's been a struggle for me to let go. Again, I'm in trans, the transition is always a struggle for anybody, right? Yeah. But it's a scare. Like I, I've been scared all year to like make it happen and finally I'm I'm still scared but I'm telling my fear to just do it you know like it's okay we're gonna be okay we've been here before we can do it and so I started talking about um you know people about being a mindset and performance coach and I'm coaching moms to really change their neurological patterns and start chasing their dream and how do you chase it is really begins in the mind and the practice that you do on a daily basis that will get you there. And so I started committing to just talking about it. And I've got like, I've got like four clients in the first week and two more clients in the second week. And because people were like, well, I thought you were already doing that because they're on Hmm. my social media. Uh And I said, well, yeah, but I keep saying I'm this locally and you guys think I'm this locally. So, well, no, we think you're already doing that because that we see your social media all the time. And so yeah. it's it's like all year I've been scared to do it. And all along, people thought I was already doing it. Like, don't, this is the problem with us is we're so scared to make things happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally resonate with that. I'm actually looking at my bulletin board right here in front of my face. And at a business retreat that I went to this summer, we were given these these cards that it's a long story, but essentially mine says fear can sit in the car, but it doesn't get to drive. Yeah. And I think that goes along so perfectly with what you're saying about, you know, we don't have to get rid of of fear. We don't have to silence it or ignore it. Like it can totally be present and it's just recognizing the fear, but then moving forward anyways. Like you're taking the, you're taking the steering wheel. You're the one that's driving, not fear. Like it can be in the back seat, like, but you're going forward and, and you're chasing your dreams, even though the fear is there. I love how that's been your theme in your life with all of the challenges and experiences that you've had, how you just are moving forward in confidence, even though there are things that you're afraid of. I think that that's amazing. So we have to, unfortunately, we have to wrap up, but I would love to hear where my, my listeners can find you. They can follow you. You mentioned Instagram. So where are some of the places that you hang out on social media? So I'm pretty active in all of my social media, except um, Snapchat, (laughs) (laughs) but um, I do have a Snapchat, but I'm never there. So (laughs) Kareen Mills, K-A-R-E-E-N-M-I-L-L-S is my handle all across social media, Facebook, Instagram. So it's pretty uniform. LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I get a lot of clients through LinkedIn. And um, Twitter, I'm still trying to figure out Twitter, but I'm there. Um, and then I have a YouTube channel as well where I load some of my podcasts and and I have my 
keynote talk there at Spark. Um, that's about it. And my podcasts, uh, I had to change the name of my podcast. It's the Kareen Mills podcast. And it's um, Mothering the World with Real Mother Hustlers because my vision is to mother the world. And I can't do it alone. I, I feel like the most qualified people that can do it with me are people like myself who are mothers and also running their businesses. So <clears throat> most of my guests are mom entrepreneurs. And then at the end of my season, which is 13 seasons, the, every 13 episodes, I have a man of impact because I want mothers to know what their impact's going to look like when their kids are old, when their kids wow. are adults. Because I love we have, that. We have the world in our hands as a mother, but we have to raise our children positively, you know, because we can change yeah. the world through them, um, through their generations. I mean, we can, in essence, slowly and begin the process, but in essence, they, they're they going to be the ones that are going to make the largest impact because of how we mother them. Yes, absolutely. I could not agree more. Your boys are so lucky to have you. Oh my goodness. To have such a like driven, passionate mom, they that's amazing. What a gift you're giving them. That's commendable for sure. Well, Karine, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and for being on the show today. I love it. And I will include links in the show notes. <laughs>